Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. I, I, I feel like I should be like more awake since it's been a quieter house, since bo- two of my oldest kids have, have gone off to school. But uh, we're recording quite late. But yeah, like it's been eerily quiet at the house while I'm working. I was like, I don't have to have my music it, like blaring in my ears. It's weird. <laughs> So you've had tons of times for games then is what you're saying. I've I've had I've had time to boot stuff up. I've had time to progress here and there um, and uh, be pleasantly surprised and also pleasantly uh, confused by by some stuff. So yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I Well, before we jump into to what you've been playing, we had a little bit of a chat before the show and uh, I kind of want to have that chat on air because mm. um i haven't really played anything this week so we um we recorded on thursday last week and you know we just had basically the weekend and we're back here recording again so i haven't had a chance to check out anything new but death loop is kind of like on my radar right now and the reason that it's there is mostly because i've seen like every outlet of life retweeted into my timeline today saying that this is the game of the year and it's the best thing ever and oh my god like just glowing praise i've seen a little bit of negativity mostly around a lot of um the accessibility options in the game of which there are very few you can't remap the controls or anything else um but also some of like the text the text is super small especially on like not only subtitles but on um like prompts and things and and stuff's really hard to see and low contrast and there's a lot of red green issues but no colorblind settings and so anyways i've seen some accessibility complaints about it but mostly what i saw was just all of these 10 out of 10s and five stars things popping into my feed retweeted by by people that i follow because i don't follow gaming outlets anymore because so much of it just seems like crazy clickbait and unless it's being sent to me then i'm just like i don't want to see it <laughs> also they put spoilers in titles all the time i literally have had to block multiple outlets because i'm like you guys are spoiling everything you're spoiling tv you're spoiling movies you're spoiling games like just stop it <laughs> yeah. so anyways that was a little bit of an aside but the point is I have seen a lot of very positive reviews in my timeline today. So I was like, okay, I don't have a PlayStation 5. And Deathloop is an interesting game anyways, because this is the first like super ultra mega major AAA release by Bethesda since they were acquired for Microsoft. And it's a PlayStation exclusive. So it's living in this like really weird space of being like, a Microsoft game for PlayStation only. <laughs> yeah, it gets weirder just based on the fact that, uh, you know, I I was still holding out hope, even though they weren't talking about it. I was holding out hope that maybe I could install this on Xbox Game Pass for PC. Because again, all of their first party titles do launch on mm. uh, Game Pass and nowhere to be found. Yeah, this is a first party title, but it's not because of that exclusivity thing. So it's it is really weird. So on PC, you have to get it on Steam. So I went into the Steam marketplace page and I was like, okay, I'm going to take a look and see what people are saying over here. Ryan, it is not good. (laughs) 
(laughs) And it has to do a lot with performance issues. Now, um, I have a 1070 in my gaming PC, so it's a little bit older now. And so, like, there's that side of it that my PC probably isn't powerful enough to run it anyway. But a lot of people were complaining that even with, like, the new generation of video cards that they're having really hard time playing the game. And I mean, it's a first-person shooter, so if you guys aren't aware, Deathloop is... is, And I'm a little bit on the fence as well, because there's a time loop in Deathloop. And after our 12 minutes, like, discussion Mm -hmm. and experience, I'm like, I don't know if I want a time loop, you guys. Like, I think 12 minutes soured me on time loops forever. But uh, so, yeah, there's like this is the the shooter game with you have like the the kind of nemesis type character and you're in a time loop and it's a shooter. And I'm sure you guys would know it if you saw it, if you aren't already familiar with it, because we've seen quite a lot of trailers for it in the last couple of years at the major gaming events. So um, basically, the Steam reviews are saying that frame rates, even on new video cards, are dropping down to a couple frames per second and not like 30, but like two and stuttering really badly, which obviously in a shooter is going to be very detrimental and makes the game basically impossible to play. And a lot of people are pointing the finger at the anti-piracy software that has to run at the same time as the game and so it seems like pc is not the place to actually pick up this game and so obviously i don't have my playstation 5 so i'm kind of like i don't really want to spend 80 dollars on a game that's not made with my platform in mind (laughs) Mm. yeah and I'm this is the thing we were talking pre-show about uh, PC games and how the I think the I don't even know if it's the recommended it could be the minimum anyways one of the 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 setting or the hardware um, requirements requirements thank you is like a 2060 which is uh, it's not it's an older card but it's still like a bump like usually like the baseline was sort of like the 10 series which is what you and I have. We have a 1070. And I don't feel like it's that old. And maybe it's just that because of COVID, like, and Mm. we've talked about this a gajillion times, but like, I'm wondering if it's because this last year and a half has just been such an anomaly of time that like, I feel like the 1070 was just yesterday, Ryan. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's, uh, I think it's like four or five years old. But here's the thing. We're, We're hitting a point now where we are starting to see what um the new sort of you know bar is for uh pc gaming and requirements because again they've been moved up by the series x and the playstation 5 so you're now looking at you know 2070s and then maybe even heading into the the 30 range Uh, and those cards even 20 20 series you cannot buy you cannot find them um, and if you do, you're paying extra because that's why they're still available. Yeah, because they're more than there should be. Yeah, and and so you're you're really right about this because it feels like my kind of 1070 PC is very much like OG release, like Xbox One and PlayStation Four, right? Like yeah. it's it's very much that level of tech. And we had this whole conversation around Cyberpunk that if 
it's being released on the PlayStation 4, at this point, you shouldn't really expect that to work on a base system, like a, a launch system. When people say PlayStation 4, what they actually really mean is the Pro or the Xbox One X. Like, or sorry, yeah, the... I honestly, I hate Xbox's naming conventions so much. I can't even remember what the freaking console was for the last generation, but their like half generation version because it just there's so many X's and series and ones and I don't even know. Anyways, whatever the hell that Xbox system was, that's what they're talking about, not the launch version. <laughs> yeah, it was the Xbox One X. So Thank you. It, <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah not the greatest naming convention not also not the greatest generation for for xbox but uh they 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 managed um yeah it's it's just one of those things where you look at this game um it is in a weird scenario where really the best place to play it is on playstation 5 and uh we're looking at a year exclusivity so it likely won't come to xbox until september 2022 um there's obviously a lot of stuff going on right now in video games and it is very it's very unfortunate for Microsoft to um I know they are you know sort of looking at this contract and saying okay we're going to make sure we honor this contract because it was set up previous to the purchase but it seems much more far reaching in that if it's able to stop Microsoft from putting their own game on their own subscription service on a platform that the game is being released on that seems so much more far reaching the from from sony uh when it comes to exclusivity deals and you know i remember people getting really upset at epic for what they were doing with the epic game store and before i say this i want to say like look i exclusivity stuff it's fine it is what it is um but it 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 is odd to see people you know pick up their you know pitchforks and, and whatnot for epic but for sony it's like this is this is upsetting to not just me, but the folks who do have those powerful PCs that do like Xbox Game Pass for PC and are suddenly seeing like, oh, this is a weird anomaly. And it's going to happen again with uh, with Tokyo Ghostwire or, or something. Um, Ghostwire Tokyo. <laughs> go, okay, I, I had it. I was just, you had it. You were backwards. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to experience the same thing with that one where it's going to probably likely come to PlayStation 5 and PC, but not on Game Pass for PC. And, and these are growing pains of a, of a major multi-billion dollar purchase that will be smoothed over. Like, you know, um, actually this time next year, November of 2022, you're going to see the opposite happen. You're going to see Starfield launch on Xbox series consoles and PC game pass and uh, not, not even a whisper of PlayStation five. So again, like it's kind of a weird Microsoft gets the quote unquote last laugh, but at the end of the day, like it's still, it's still very odd. And I hope by the time it does come to PC game pass and does come to series X, they'll have worked at all those issues. But another aspect of this that we talked about pre-show was like, I'm a little, I'm not usually this way, but with Deathloop and I'm not a, you know, I'm not big on shooters these days, but like a lot of the reviews have been like through the roof. So when you told me that yeah. it was, you know, the PC version was getting sort of uh, knocked down uh, on Steam, I was like, okay, that's weird because everywhere I go, like literally on front page of Polygon, um, it's it's pretty telling. It's like the review is Deathloop is one of the most incredible games I've ever played. And totally from from their opinion that can be certainly true um 
I'm not questioning that, but it just seems like I'm seeing that everywhere. As you said earlier, it's, it's just, it's really coming through. The kind of like the, the language being used around this game almost sounds like we will provide you with a code, but you have to use this pre-approved text. Like that's how often I'm seeing this stuff about it's the best game I've ever played is I just like, it's eyebrow raised, like really like so many times today. And I know, uh, like you, I am not a huge fan of uh, shooters, of first-person shooters. Like, it's never been my genre. I had some fun in some different titles at different times, but really, it's never been my go-to gaming experience, right? Like, so I get that I'm coming from a place where I would find it very unlikely that a first-person shooter is actually the best game you've ever played because it would be it's very hard for me to picture that but it's just so pervasive in so many reviews that i just find it odd <laughs> that so many people are saying the exact same thing to the point that it feels like sponsored content <laughs> yeah now that being said again i've not played the game you have not played the game it could very well be a very great game it's just uh, a, a it's getting a lot of tens and it's getting a lot of positive press. And maybe I just need to look into it a little bit more and and watch some streams. Like, again, I'm not sitting here saying like these reviews are all wrong, but I wonder if it's just been that like, there's been so few like (laughs) big, huge releases, (laughs) like so many things have been pushed back and Oh my God, I feel so like cynical and negative for even like thinking this and not just being like, hooray, a new great amazing game has come out on the level of Breath of the Wild and everything else that everybody loves. Like, because obviously when I think of tens, that's the first thing I think of because it's another controversial gaming, whatever. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm not getting into that conversation right now. Not yet. But 2022. Is, yeah, 2022. But my point is that like, maybe it's just that it's been so long that we're like, oh my God, a new AAA game. This is amazing. Yeah. Yes, it's the best thing I've ever played because it's new. <laughs> I, I can see that. And and again, like you, our listeners know this. Obviously, if we are wrong and it's like, no, you probably just need to check out a couple of gameplay streams, like it really is that great, then absolutely. we. I, I will admit that, uh, that, that we're wrong. I'm not sitting here saying, oh, it's probably really a bad game. I think it's just it's it was a little off putting because we like you said, we haven't had a major triple A release. And I know, you know, a game we're going to talk about a little later, like Tales of Arise has been getting really good reviews. But those reviews felt, uh, you know, they the impressions and the reviews and and stuff have been felt more balanced, felt more um, just, you know, not like (laughs) maybe that's it. Maybe it's it's the lack of of kind of balance and diversity within the reviews that kind of is throwing a red flag for me, especially when I go over to Steam and see that it has mixed reviews, then I'm even more of an eyebrow raise, right? And I know that, again, that's that's performance-based, but um, I think, like, I, I do want to check this out. I'm a little disappointed that my PC won't be able to play it, which basically means I got to really start seriously thinking about getting a PlayStation 5, And I don't necessarily think that this game is the reason on its own, but I'm partly worried that if I leave it too long, I won't have a PlayStation 5 for the release of Horizon, which would absolutely devastate me. I would be so sad. And then, 
you know, there's other experiences to play in the meantime. Like I do want to experience God of War. And I think that would be a really good experience on the PlayStation 5 because it's getting its update or has has gotten its update. Um, plus now Deathloop, which will play on the PlayStation 5 as it's meant to, because it's obviously a next gen PlayStation title. So, like, I think the the reasons to get it are starting to pile up. So that might be I don't know. I'm 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 on the fence. I'm I'm starting to think that maybe I should. So, well, stay tuned because next week I'll have a PlayStation five because that's uh, how the show works. <laughs> well, here's the thing. You'll have a better luck buying a PlayStation five over a brand new video card. Right. To, to be so able I might as well it. just go with the console. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know what? As as uh, I'll do what you did for me. You'll come to me and like, I don't know if I should buy this. And I'll say, no, no, no you should buy it. So, like you did with the backbone <laughs> controller, um, which I'm still using, oh, by the man. way. So we're good. So uh, it was a good purchase yeah. and I win. I did it right all right good so so that's enough talking about what i haven't yet played ryan what have you played (laughs) well i've got a couple games here i'm not very far in either of them but i did want to touch on them because uh they did come out last friday uh the first game is life is strange true colors uh i did receive a review code for this game from square enix and i'll be honest like the life is strange series has had a really weird place i mean speaking of review scores and and um impressions and and what people have been saying about games uh in the life is strange series hasn't necessarily lined up with our thoughts of the franchise um although i think that you know we found some uh some enjoyment and some fun uh in parts of the first life is strange um and i think i think i i'm safe to say that like before the storm and uh, other, yeah, I think it was Life is Strange too. I played a little bit of Life Life is Strange too. There were other issues with that one. I think that that was uh, the, um, the was that the cross country driving one with the yeah the two brothers the brothers yeah it started really strong it was really great but I think the struggle I had with that one that we had with other ones in in sort of the telltale adventure style is that the game would was like a drip feed you'd get three hours every four months and it was just so hard to keep up with and i think that's where the first life is strange similar to wolf among us was really good because both of us were playing it both of us were engaging and 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 and, you know uh, keeping on top of when those episodes were coming out and planning our show structure around it um difference being we loved every moment of wolf among us uh life is strange i think it fell apart in that last episode, we really did yeah, not like that last it really, episode. Yeah, it really, really did. I think that, like, with Wolf Among Us, it was such a great experience that it made me think that everything would be, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. And then, yeah, Life is Strange it really did not uh, grab me in those final moments. So yeah, I, I have not played True Colors. I was interested to see what you thought about this. So are they still continuing the same thing where they put one chapter out every couple months or did they give you everything right away? So here's the thing. Lots of positives to start off because, again, this is a this is a complete product. You were getting the whole game. You purchased the whole game. You're getting the whole game right off the bat. Um, all five chapters, so you don't have to wait the, you know, you get your quarterly Life is Strange. That's really nice, especially when it is so story-driven. Mm-hmm. It's just like, man, oh, man, the last thing I want to do is, like, 
have an experience, get invested in characters and then not have anything to do with them for three or four months. And then honestly, I would forget what was going on. For whatever reason, it didn't stick in my head the same way that like episodes of my favorite TV show do. And maybe it's because when those things go, you know, between seasons or whatever, they've given me like 10 to 24 hours worth of content. So it's a lot more like these Life is Strange chapters. The first game would be done in two to three hours. So it wasn't enough to really like just stick in my brain Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that they've made this change and that they're just doing the game has a release date, period. <laughs> yeah. So the game is out. You can buy it. You get the whole thing. Um, it is, uh, I think the pricing structure is a little different. Um, this is a full price game. So it's $80 in Canada, $60 in the US, which I did do a little bit of digging. Previous Life is Strange uh, games, I think, were offered a re like at a budget sort of offering. They were like... 30 to 40 dollars for the complete season um okay. and uh that was something that uh th that is a bit of a, a difference here although i will say that they've put a lot of work into addressing um some of the technical stuff that sort of stuck out in the early life of strange games they've clearly like bumped up the graphics to you know target next generation and just offer more um fidelity in the backgrounds and the foregrounds like you really feel like I mean, if you think back to Life is Strange, you know, that school um, courtyard really felt mm -hmm. like, let's lay down some grass, let's put a building in the background, a couple objects, put some characters in, and we're good to go. Narrative. Let's do this. Yeah, and, it was it was bare bones graphics for sure. Yeah. And again, that game came out a while ago. It was, a, it was I think, at the time considered an indie release. Um, but this is a fully fledged, like, AAA narrative you know adventure game and you really feel that in the graphics if you go watch a trailer you see some gameplay you're really gonna see the work they've put into um the graphics they've really upped it there which is really good um all of the animations are really well done and this being like a narrative emotional tale they've put a lot of work into the facial animations they i think they all use mocap um so they've been able to capture you know, the, the facial, you know, sort of expressions a lot better. So you really do feel like when a character's talking. No more uncanny valleys. <laughs> yeah, no, it feel it's so, it's, it's really well done and goes a long way when these characters are having conversations. And my favorite part, Jocelyn, is that you're playing someone in their early 20s and they're not like teenagers who are just looking to rage against the machine. <laughs> feel like such an old person saying that um you remember in life is strange it was always these it, it was like teenagers high school like you know they didn't like anybody especially adults um they kind of aged up a little bit in life is strange true colors like your main character is in her early 20s you play as uh, alex chen um she's also got a superpower we can come back to that but like the character she's in she's interacting with um, she's, uh, she's, she's, you know, moving to this small town in Colorado to be with her, uh, brother. They've been apart for eight years. They've been in the, the, the foster care, um, system, uh, and they've been separated and he found her and, and, uh, said like, Hey, you know, come here. I've got a life. We're going to, let's start living life together and, 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 uh, you know, moving forward as a family. And that's sort of the setup. And, when you come to town, like you're interacting with other characters, but I really feel like they did a lot of work to kind of like not make everybody like a, 
a teenage angst machine, <laughs> you know? And I was really worried about that. Yeah, that is, that is definitely something that um, was hard for me to get through as well. I don't love kind of content where, like, characters make really bad decisions for the sake of making bad decisions and driving a narrative forward. Mm -hmm. um, and I felt like that happened quite a lot in Life is Strange, where it's just like, I know that they're teenagers and I know that they're trying to, like, rebel against their parents and whatever but sometimes it was just like come on <laughs> like yeah. i was dumb in high school but i wasn't that dumb like come on just nobody come on <laughs> yeah i i was right there with you on that and i think like in the early parts of life is strange and, and other life is strange games it was able to look past that a little bit because the story they were telling was genuinely interesting the the powers that um uh, I can't remember uh, what what the I think it was Max. I only yeah I only remember Chloe. <laughs> Chloe, but Chloe wasn't the one with powers, right? Chloe was no, um, she wasn't. <laughs> but she that's was like it's, that character bothered me so much that's the only <laughs> name that stuck with me. <laughs> but I think Max Max sounds right. <laughs> yeah, I think it's Max. Uh oh, although is Max like her brother? Now I can't remember. Either way, I feel like that's where I I feel a little bad because I know there are really hardcore fans of life is strange and if they were listening to this conversation they're like oh man like this is this is hard but um i i think that uh also the story set up in life is strange the first one was really interesting because it was kind of like a you know you're 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 back at your hometown there's a you're, you're trying to solve a mystery of where rachel amber went and and the discoveries along the way were 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 interesting it's just how that game ended that kind of like really threw a lot of the good out as well but um in this game uh true colors again like it really feels like the choices you're making uh you can go the route of like you know annoying teenage or annoying early 20s person uh because again like that makes sense as someone in the early 20s you make bad decisions and i think the struggle i had with early life is strange games is like it was giving you the walking dead choice of like which of these bad decisions do you want to make right now yeah and in true colors that is not that at least has not been the case so far in chapter one where there's one of these conversations like something like a moment has happened where you you've acted out due to your powers and uh, your your brother who you haven't seen for eight years is is sort of caught up in the mix of it and he says okay let's let's go talk and um you go talk and you have the option to kind of like steer away from telling him about your powers or you can lean into it and, and tell him exactly what's going on like like you should you know be open with with this person and you can and it results in a really genuine interesting uh, heartfelt conversation about what your character is dealing with and how you want to involve your your brother in in helping you through this this part of your life and it's like i was really impressed like holy crap they actually gave me the option to do what uh like a like the healthy decision right yeah what you consider to be the right call yeah. exactly and and that is present through all the choices that i've been offered in this first chapter where i feel like oh they're giving me the option they're giving me the healthy choice you know um they do really present alex as, as having a troubled past and certainly having issues with you know authority figures and and some friends and enemies and and, and whatnot that's all present but like 
you can choose because you're trying to you're trying to make a better life with your with your brother in this new town and start fresh you can actually make those those choices and um you know another example is like you you run into a kid and the kid's like his backpack opens up and he's got like a flashlight and a, a hard hat and some rope in it and he's planning to go off into the mines to explore them. It's like, Oh, just can we keep this secret between us? And and the kid is, uh, is, uh, is his mother is dating your brother. And you're like, you can say like, Oh yeah, secret safe with me. But then later on you get the option to kind of, you know, tell your brother what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, and again, they present you with the option of like, I'll keep it to yourself or, you know, tell your brother that uh, that this kid he cares about is about to make a, a terrible mistake, <laughs> you know? And it made it to me, it made sense as like, let's make the healthy choice here. Let's, let's do this. And it doesn't result like the story doesn't then go to like punishing you like, okay, now this kid hates you forever. Like it doesn't, it, it goes in a way where, yeah, the choice affects things, but it doesn't result in now you have this bratty teenager that hates you, you know? It's, it's really something like the the way they've kind of turned and maybe life is strange Two had this, but I know life is strange did not, um, which was what I was worried about going, going into this one. Yeah. It felt like if they ever gave you the option that seemed like the right choice, that there were very negative consequences. (laughs) Yeah. And, and this one, um, it's so far, it's just been a real treat. It's really good. Uh, the story is really interesting. Again, like from from a character like fish out of water, you're coming back. To, you're coming to this town. You're completely new. You've obviously had like a really rough life, and we haven't even talked about the powers. They introduce you to the powers right away. Um, Alex, the main character, she's she's sort of like I try to think of the best way to describe it, but like it's an empath that kind of can feel people's feelings, right? Like and or in live in those feelings or absorb those. Okay, feelings. you know what I mean. Um, kind of yeah like so essentially she can sense someone who is when they have a strong emotion like super angry or or super um afraid uh super nervous and uh sometimes if it's a very powerful emotion like she will embody it and and she will kind of lose control so for example there's a there's a scene where um a character barges in and it's foreshadowed heavily. It's like, Oh, this guy has a bone to pick with you. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'll deal with it. And he kind of barges into the apartment and he's super angry and, uh, his, his aura is really red. And then all of a sudden your character, um, is, is getting very upset as well. And it results in an altercation. And like, that's part of her powers. Like sometimes she, she does lose control in that, in that aspect, but there are other instances where she can kind of sense people's emotions. And then like, like uh understand their thoughts you know like she can kind of hear okay i see yeah yeah like hear what's causing them so she gets insight exactly yeah insight's a really good way of putting it so like there's there's a couple layers to it like you can get more details about why this person is feeling this way and then use those in dialogue options um it'll actually present that to you like oh new dialogue options have unlocked um but then there are narrative things that happen like for example there's a there's an instance where someone's very, very afraid and you're trying to rescue them and the scenario is set up in a way where only you can do it and you have to kind of break through that strong um, emotion of fear, both from your from your own perspective and the person you're trying to help. Like you literally can't help them until you try to calm them down. And right. um, I don't think it, there was, it was a fail state, not like uh, 
in the first Life is Strange where there was that moment, uh, I think where one of the characters, you were trying to talk them down off a ledge. Um, but in this instance, like, it, it it felt really interesting, like from a powers perspective, like it's not like you can move stuff with your mind or you can, which was the second one, or you can um, uh, turn back Rewind time. time. Yeah. yeah, was the first one. And it was Max, by the way. <laughs> okay, perfect. Yeah, you were right. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, I'm just, I'm really enjoying it. I did stop after chapter one just to kind of get a, an idea of the game. Um, there are some like technical issues from a next gen perspective, but they quickly kind of went away. Uh, there's, it's locked at 30 frames per second on the consoles. And I mean, playing a lot of these next gen games, having those performance options of whether being run at 60 frames or, you know, having a higher fidelity and running at 30 frames, um, that kind of threw me off kind of right away. And there is some talk of like there being performance issues on the PS5 and Xbox series X, which they are looking to patch, uh, so I'm, I'm going to wait a little bit until the, like, there's a patch to kind of like finish the game. Cause I am really enjoying it. So I want to have the best experience and they've already said they're working on a couple of patches. So I'm going to give it some time. Um, and then when I've had a chance to finish it, I'll certainly come back on the show and, and give my full review. But, uh, so far I'm really enjoying it. Like it's a, Pretty it's a really cool story. So far. Yeah. I, I honestly think you'd like it. Like, I think the, you know, the two biggest complaints I had about, you know, previous life is strange games, like even though they had a really great story, it was I struggled with the quarterly release of episodes and just some of the characters just being really not... Insufferable. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And uh, usually they would pop up so often and it's just like, ugh, I don't know if I can, I can handle this. But in this one, it really feels like they've balanced it a lot better. There is like, right off the bat, there's this character is like, oh God, the... Uh, the really bad boyfriend character is here yeah. and um, you, you can, you, you put him in his place and you have the option to do it again and, and pretty much make it final. It's just one of those instances where like, again, like he asks you to cover for him cause he got in this fight and, and you can make the, like, I was like, Oh no, this is going to be one of those moments where I get the choose between two bad options, but it's literally like cover for the bad boyfriend or tell the truth it's like uh yeah i'm gonna tell the truth he attacked us and then i wailed on him and he and you beat him up so like that's the truth and then they end up breaking up and and it's like yeah because you're you're a bad dude <laughs> you know <laughs> i i just didn't see it coming because honestly i i've been so um used to life is strange being like what are the choices like cover for him or like take the blame and now you're the bad guy and it's like ugh, i don't know so it it it's a lot more balanced. It's a lot of, it's, it's a very interesting story. It feels like it's just getting going now here with chapter one. Uh, and I think it does kind of turn into a, I won't say murder mystery, but like, a there's definitely going to be a mis- mystery layer as to, as to what's going on. And that's in the trailers too. Uh, they kind of, so I, I like that they've gone back to that side of life is strange where it's like, you're trying to solve what's been going on in this town or, or what is going on. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to continue playing and, and um, you know, seeing if uh, if all the positives that I've listed here uh, keep going. I'm, I'm a little I'm still a little worried, but I think uh, with the story they're trying to tell and the characters they set up so far, uh, there's just a, a lot of lovable, a lot of stuff to love in the game. So uh, I do recommend it if, if you are interested in Life is Strange. I think this is certainly so far one of the one of the best ones for sure. 
That's awesome. That's I'm I'm glad because I mean I was I was definitely on the fence after the end of the first game about like literally ever ever checking out a Life is Strange game ever again. So I'm glad that this one has made some changes that that actually make a really big difference. And uh, yeah, I, I look forward to hearing. So are there five chapters total? You just finished chapter one, right? Yeah, there are. Uh, I did look it up. There are five chapters. Um, they yeah, the so. game averages about you know three to four hours per chapter, and uh, I think like the first chapter is probably a little longer, just as you're kind of getting used to you know the controls and and the mechanics and stuff. Yeah, there's a tutorial part as well. That yeah. makes sense. So yeah, I look forward to hearing the the last four chapters and and what you think about it when you're all done. But uh, you also played so Tales of Arise. So was this the winner of your Patreon poll? Yeah, so uh, Tales of Arise did win the TGI Patreon mini update corner. Um, so I did start that already because I'd played a little bit. I'm very early in the game, um, still getting tutorial prompts. I think I'm still in the first area. So uh, I, I didn't think we'd actually talk about Life is Strange so much or, or Deathloop for that matter. So I will, <laughs> I likely will take the opportunity to to just get some more time with it. But uh, honestly, if if people definitely want to go check out the uh, the Patreon mini, we will start, we have started the update corner. Um, I am playing on PlayStation 5. Uh, this is a, a full price game, Tales of Arise. And uh, it is a uh, JRPG for sure. So we're we're doing another one of those. And I'm, I am enjoying my time with it. It's been a lot of fun. Although it has been, uh, it's, it's, it's a little slow going at, at first, but um, it's it's been fun. I, I feel bad because in Discord, people are like way ahead of me now. Uh, <laughs> well that's always the case in discord though yeah <laughs> we like behind all the time <laughs> but they've been they've been i will say they've been super nice to like mark everything spoilers even if it's like look at this look at the oh there's a cool owl here and this is what he gives you so they've been they've been very uh and that's that's a real mechanic um they've been very good at, at uh, covering up spoilers there's it's a thread under general and i and i said to them like yeah this is a good idea if people are playing it we'll just create a thread i don't think we're quite at the part of like creating a text channel a whole for one other game. channel for it yeah <laughs> but uh the way threads work it's been really handy and i mean as long as people keep talking in there it, it won't archive and even if it does we can always bring it back um so uh yeah very cool very cool. So, uh, so yeah, as we mentioned, it is a part of the Patreon mini. It was a post, also a poll that went up on Patreon. So if all of that sounds enticing, you can go to patreon.com slash the gamers in to support the show. A uh, very big thank you to our newest patron, Russell. Thank you so much for supporting the show. If you want your name here, again, go to patreon.com slash the gamers in. Uh, that brings us to the news portion of the show. Uh, we have another lawsuit against Activision Blizzard for being a shit company. Uh, there, there just there just is another lawsuit, and it's about um union busting and intimidation and general like workplace union or labor labor laws that's it not union laws labor laws <laughs> that uh activision blizzard has been um i guess breaking or <laughs> like yeah anyways i'm sure we'll have more of this as as it develops but yeah i mean i'm surprised not surprised <laughs> yeah um I, it's funny when i saw this story like i want to state right off the bat like i support folks that want to keep playing blizzard games want to keep talking about blizzard games i 100 understand it support it it makes sense like we 
you do need to somewhat still support the de- you do need to support the developers that still work there and it is a tough call as to how to do that um outside of playing and 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 paying for their games um but when i saw this story it's like it's you know it's one of those things where it's it's bad enough you're being sued in the first place but now you're trying to fix it by doubling down um with yeah. with this type of behavior and uh it just it, it it makes me not want to uh, you know t- you know talk positively about a Blizzard product again or or play a, a Blizzard product again. It's I struggle with that. I know it's easy for me to say because I I, I don't play Blizzard games now or aren't actively playing, but I don't know how to I don't know how to stop. I, I we said this before. The way to stop this is for there to be avenues for for these lawsuits to go forward. And I am really glad that. I'm actually really surprised that they're able to sue for this um, just in the instance of like, yeah, like uh, I didn't think there were, I, I didn't know if th- these laws sort of existed in the States where you could uh, sue for this kind of, just with the amount of stuff that goes on with union busting and intimidation, yeah. you know, like you, I thought we would have heard a lot more about these, like why aren't Amazon uh, employees doing this? Yeah. I honestly, I don't understand. Like, I don't know enough about that kind of labor law or anything like that. Like I, I really can't comment on it. I imagine it probably varies by state because so many things down there vary by state, but honestly, I don't know. Um, smarter people than me will try to parse this together. And actually two of them are doing a new show over on a move. So if you guys want to hear Garrett and Kyle tackle all of this stuff, they have started a new podcast called Nexus Gaming News, so uh, go and check that out because they, Kyle does an amazing job of gathering a whole lot of data and information and condensing it down in a way that is easy to understand. So uh, yeah, guys, go check that out again. That's over on amove.tv. Nexus Gaming News is is their new show, so um, go and check it out. I'm pretty sure they're short episodes too. I think they're like under half an hour. So they're they're kind of like really digestible content. So uh, go and check that out. Because again, I I have not looked into this nearly enough. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Um, on to some better news, more happy news. Super Mario 4 Lego set. Super Mario 64 Lego set. <laughs> Super <Whoa>. Mario 4. <laughs> Super Mario 4 would be pretty rad. Um, I like the idea of them going back and anyways, uh, th- <laughs> this is uh, this is something that was teased and it was like a giant question mark block and you know I'm like, oh, what is this? And uh, I don't know I know who this is for. It's it's for the the people like me who who should be buying this and putting it on a shelf, um, like having like a Mario set. Uh, but it's kind of it's so unique. It's like this block and you can kind of like open it up and it's like a diorama style setup where it is like based on um mario 64 levels that you pull out and uh it's like 200 bucks um i think it's i don't know what it costs in canada but it's 170 us so i would imagine that's just over 200 canadian right yeah yeah <laughs> i don't know that's a lot <laughs> i i saw this i don't think this is i don't think i i would buy this i i feel like it would be it, the the levels so i know when they announced the super mario lego we were always thinking like i kind of just want like a straight up lego set that is legend of zelda you know and yeah this is kind of getting there but it's it's too far like you've put a lot of effort into the into the diorama portion of it uh which is really cool but um you've sacrificed sort of like uh you've gone 
you know, mini miniature towards representing the levels, which is the interesting part. Like a Peach's Castle that is just a Peach's Castle set and it's not something that has to fit inside a big yellow box would be interesting to me and something that I could I could look at, you know, saving <laughs> for because um, you know it'd be super expensive. But like this seems like kind of a novelty thing where why why aren't they just making the sets <laughs> you know <laughs> like that's what i want i want to see them make like a like a peach's castle set or or a hyrule castle set that is just literally it's the castle and you get the link mini figurine and the zelda mini figurine not like i think these figurines they're they're called micro figurines and it's like literally like a like a two block with like a weird shaped hat you know and <laughs> I just, I think this is great for people who want to buy this. It's awesome. But uh, yeah, it seems like you're putting a lot of effort into like the mechanic of the box. Well, at least you won't have to dust the Lego because you just put it back in the box and you just dust the box, right? It's very true. Because man, dusting Lego is like, I don't know, once they get to it, I remember when I had a bunch of Lego at home when it, when I was growing up, like once you kind of left it too long, you had to like take it apart and and then... And then wash it. I was that way. never ever allowed to like leave my Lego done. Oh, I was really? like, "Are you done playing with it? Then break it apart and put it back in the box." <laughs> like there was no displaying for any period of time. <laughs> yeah, I would always, I would always have it displayed on a shelf, and uh, and I think, I think I went away, to, <laughs> I went away to college, and I came back. It's like, oh, no one was cleaning this Lego. Great, because <laughs> now it's uh, it's pretty grimy. Uh, okay, let's do this. Um, but yeah, like with this, you just, you fold it back into the box and you just have to dust the box. Trying to get in all those like crevices without like tearing it apart with your, your, your duster, man, just uh nightmare fuel. Uh, but this is cool. Save a little money on, um, well, you're not saving any money really. You're, you're spending a lot more money. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I really hope that they, uh, they do get around to making the real, like again, like looking at the NES thing they came out with last year. You know, they put all that effort into the weird interactable TV thing. It's like, no, just give me a, give me the NES, you know, so I can put on my shelf without having to have a big, weird CRT TV. It looks cool, but again, it adds to the cost when you really just want like the thing, right? You just want yeah. the thing you loved. So this is a, a, a yeah, it's another one of these Lego things that. Uh, that Ryan's will... totally gonna buy. No, I'm not. <laughs> I didn't buy the NES thing, and I'm pro. I'm not gonna buy the. I almost said probably. I'm not gonna buy this one. Uh, <laughs> it's getting there though. I will say that Next it's week. getting there. <laughs> so I bought it. <laughs> no, no, because then you're gonna say, well, you know what? Like, it's not that expensive, and. Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's true. I am definitely <laughs> the baddest of bad influences. It's just I. I don't know. I think the the folding diorama thing kind of throws me off. I do want yeah. just a traditional set. I know that the Super Mario Lego stuff comes close, but again, it's like it's in the other direction where you don't have like the traditional Lego. It's uh, the, you've you've built the characters. You know, you've kind of gone the other way where you like have you know characters built out of Lego as opposed to the figurines that you're used to. So yeah, um, maybe we'll get there. I mean, as as these continue to sell, like they eventually have to do the the normal sets right they got to get around to it definitely uh check out the super mario 64 cube if it's your jam <laughs> if it's your jam i yeah. love it <laughs> uh we also have uh agent carter's Haley atwell is going to be voicing lara croft in the tomb raider anime series 
uh, which I'm pretty stoked on. I like her quite a bit. I thought she was a great Peggy. <laughs> yeah, no, she was a great Peggy. And, and she, um, and this is interesting, like coming off of what if the first episode has Haley Atwell as uh, Captain Carter. And again, that series is a little like. I have not heard great things about that, to be honest. <laughs> about the series in general or just the series. That? Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, I was going to say the series is um, is is hit and miss. Like it's got it's. I think the Captain Carter episode has really great performances from a lot of your favorite MCU actors. The story is very much um, literally what if, you know, it was uh, Captain Carter instead of Captain Steve Rogers. And the story kind of plays out very similarly. It heads in the same directions. Um, But because Haley Atwell and Agent Carter is just so cool, like that episode does work a little better. Um, But there are other episodes where... um, it, it doesn't quite connect, but also like some of the some of the the actors who do really well on camera don't do so well in the voice box. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, Haley Atwell, I think, delivered a really good Captain Carter performance. So the fact that she's being you know hired once again to do more voice work for an animated series, like I think she'll she really nail it. And honestly, like a lot of the stuff we've been used to with Tomb Raider. Um, both in the movie realm and the video game realm, has been a more younger um, Lara Croft. And they have said in this, like, this is going to be an animated series that kind of like, I think they said, bridges the gap between the two franchises. So you're going to get a more, you know, uh, uh, experienced Tomb Raider, a more experienced Lara Croft. So she's she's not quite as young as she was in, in the mm. reboot uh, or, or sort of the prequel games. Um, yeah. So I think her I think her performance will fit really well with the story they're trying to tell. And Netflix has had a really good run with their animated series. Series is series series eyes. The plural of series. Maybe the plural of series is just series. Anyways, um I, I I'm looking forward to this. I you know, I was hesitant to include this, but like with the sandwich of news we had this week, it felt like we had to throw in a couple of fun ones. So I'm I'm all for more Haley Atwell. Yeah, which is a great segue into what I probably should have put right up at the top of the news, because then I could have just made it the segment about shit Jocelyn knows nothing about. Because um, <laughs> we're about to talk about the Apple Epic lawsuit, which has now been, uh, well, kind of finalized. So there was a ruling which Epic is now appealing. So mm-hmm. technically there was a decision that came down in the, uh, in the case of Epic versus Apple, uh, which was... The majority in Apple's favor, the one thing that the judge did say was that Apple was not allowed to prevent companies from linking to alternative payment locations. Now, I have not read all of this. I am not a lawyer, asterisks all over this comment, but... um, to me, that would suggest that like Fortnite could put a button that says, hey, do you want 30% off of this microtransaction? Click here. And then it would send them to a website outside of the Apple ecosystem. So there is that, which is like a kind of sort of workaround fix. It's not exactly the same as allowing people to say, purchase something from Amazon without giving 30% to Apple, but it's uh, definitely better than it was. 
Although Epic's still mad about it. And like I said, appealing the decision. Uh, I think that uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, they're basically what's happening here is uh, Apple has already kind of said they, that people could start doing this um, in that they could start and they probably just saw the ruling coming that they would the, the judge would throw a bone to to Epic or at least, you know, give them a little bit. Uh, but but Apple has started to say, like, no, you can um, you not that you can link out to to other, uh, you know, payment options. But if you have the user's contact information and they uh, opt in, you can let them know that way. There were even rules that you couldn't even, you know, mention that you could subscribe to Netflix outside of the app. Uh, that was that was a violation of their rules. Um, and but, that, but that's changed now, right? Yes. So now they they can do that. So in this instance, now you can have like a link that says subscribe on the web. And you don't even have to have an option to pay through Apple in-app purchase. Uh, because again, like in the case of uh, Netflix, is a bad idea because they had struck a specific deal with Apple to to, to lose a, less of a cut or lose less money on each in-app purchase. Um, right. But essentially what's happening here is that when a company like Netflix offers an in-app purchase through Apple, Netflix is eating that uh, that loss of revenue if if they're subscribing through Apple, not necessarily the customer. What Epic was saying here with Fortnite when they implemented their like, you know, buy it from us and it'll cost you less, is they were saying no. The reason the prices for Fortnite stuff is so is higher is because Apple's taking the thirty yeah. percent. They were charging the customer for the Apple cut, um, and essentially saying no. If you buy it directly from us, we'll we'll charge you thirty uh, percent less now. Epic, if they had an Apple or a, a Mac developer account, because that was closed down because they violated the terms, that has not been granted back and was not included in the uh, in the order from the judge with this case. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if, if Apple has said, like, look, Epic, you can bring Fortnite back if you remove um, the in-app, the separate in-app purchase function. So again, it was right in the app that you could hit a button and pay for something. They want that gone before they'll reinstate their developer account. Um, so with this ruling, Epic didn't get that. Epic isn't allowed to include uh, the Epic payment processor within the app. They'd have to say, hey, go to this website, and then it would launch Firefox or, or Safari to to complete the purchase. Yeah, some other thing. And so it's interesting that you mentioned the the hotfix that Epic put in, because this this threw me for a loop, I'll be honest. So... How long was the Epic Fortnite um, hotfix in the Apple ecosystem? Because I feel like they put the hotfix in and then within 24 hours, Apple was like, hell no, and booted them out. Yeah, it was pretty quick. It was really, I feel like it was really, really quick. And so Epic has now had to pay Apple for that hotfix Six million dollars. <laughs> oh my fucking god! <laughs> like yeah. I, I knew, I knew Epic made a lot of money on Fortnite, but I didn't know it was this much money. Like just one platform in a day, and this isn't even 
all of the money. This is like Apple's cut, right? And I'm not sure if does this include like damages or anything, or is this just straight up the 30% they owe? I, you know, that's a great question. Now, the the source I have for this is is Tim Sweeney, the CEO of Epic, basically saying Epic has paid Apple six million as ordered by the court. Uh, yeah, it, it's probably in like the court documents. Uh, again, um, we have not read everything and there are smarter people out there that will likely have read everything uh and in this instance it just seems like uh, it could be a combination of of damages because they did lose uh, like in the court case i don't know it's hard to say like did anyone lose that they had to pay damages i could see if epic lost on every count they would have to pay apple something for going to court uh, but in this instance, yeah, I, I feel like it might be a, a solid assumption that this is part of the lost revenue that Apple had when that epic payment process was in place. Because like six million dollars, so that like would be thirty, like Apple's thirty percent cut. Like he worked that out. It's way more than six million that was that was made in that twenty-four hour period. Yeah, which is just wild, absolutely wild to me. Like again, I knew they made money. I just had no idea it was that that much. Like yeah. holy crap. Well, the court case. There's. I mean, again, I don't know, but could a court case actually like the court case went for like two weeks? Could that cost six million dollars? <laughs> like lawyers are expensive, but that sounds like yeah, you I don't get know. some cheaper lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if the if the lawyers can parse through this stuff, like I mean, maybe I they are good lawyers and they're worth six million dollars. I don't know. Well, they didn't In win. The end, so they're not I, that great. Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea where all of these uh, dollar signs and figures actually came from. But man, if Fortnite is making that kind of cash on one platform in one night, just oh, I've, I'm in the wrong line of work. <laughs> yeah, you just got to create a, a fantastically yeah. popular game, then uh, implement a, a very targeted in-app purchase system and uh, sell dances that you don't uh, you don't give credit to the original artist too and you'll be yeah. fine it'll be good um but yeah it, you, as you said they are appealing the ruling uh epic is obviously not happy because they do want to include the in-app purchase there is other more i think more nefarious things where they they also want to have like an epic game store app where you can they can sell their own apps within the apple ecosystem and and personally as an apple user i feel like that's not what apple ha- has is trying to do with their device. Like they do have an app store. And as long as you play by the rules and yes, some of the rules are, are really shitty and they need to change um, or should change uh, or be open to change for that matter. But yeah, like I think if Epic wants to offer like a, an Epic games app on the Apple app store, I think that's where it gets a little weird for what they're setting up. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously like they they like we said, when they first brought the lawsuit to light, they are kind of putting it forward as if they are the champion of the people when we know what they want is to make a gajillion dollars like. <laughs> well, they're already making a lot of money. And, and yeah. I, I think that six million dollar figure also, even if it isn't just the money they owe Apple for that short period of time that the in-app purchase was there. Uh, it shows kind of how much money Epic is losing by not having the because the game Fortnite is not on iOS devices right now, yeah, um, and uh, hasn't been for the last year. So the fact that they're appealing and trying to go back to court, like 
it'll be really interesting to see if there is any change. Um, but like, I think that, I think it's totally fair that if you have a payment processor that you've built that can be rigorously uh, tested by Apple um, to meet their their guidelines and, and requirements, I think that should be totally doable. And I and I feel like we're getting there. I, I think there was a ruling in South Korea where, uh, and it's related to this because Epic said like, hey, we're going to ask Apple if we can release Fortnite in South Korea because they're making them have to offer other in-app purchase options. Uh, and that was a court order in, um, in South Korea. So like there is pressure, uh, that's happening. And I could see as we move forward over the years, like this is going to change. And, uh, Microsoft is even creating like, um, instances with the windows app store, uh, in windows 11, where there is going to be precedent that people can point to, uh, for other in-app purchases and, and how that can work and still keep a secure platform. So, it's it'll be interesting to watch as this unfolds and it's kind of crazy that this launched like the day before an apple event and they just like they did their apple event as like like none of this even happened (laughs) so uh it it's uh it's gonna be one to watch but it's crazy that epic is basically hitting the restart button on this it's gonna be another year probably before we we know for sure whether this is done and done yeah, and so we will we will let you guys know if there's anything else <laughs> to to talk about or when we get more out of the appeal and everything else. Um, and also, obviously, we'll keep you updated on Activision Blizzard. But again, if you if you want to hear it real in depth discussion, go check out uh, Kyle and Garrett's new show. Uh, I think that's pretty much going to do it for us tonight. If you guys want to continue the conversation, head on over to Bitly slash TGI Discord. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at Joss Plays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. And remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. <laughs>